Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. It's our last podcast from Glasgow and it's been a hell of a trip. Uh, we've had so much going on and today I left Glasgow. Uh, Rob and I headed off to a place called Falkirk to one of the most enormous sort of bits of architecture in the whole of Scotland. It's called the Falkirk Wheel. Look it up. And it's basically like a giant kind of scoop that lifts and transports boats from above and below between two levels of a canal. Well, we have a canal up the hill and we have a, a canal at the bottom of the hill. We have 35 meters between them. And the Falkirk Wheel simply turns and rotates and lifts those boats from one level to the other. And it works on Archimedes' principle. That moment he jumped out of the bath, that moment of uh, absolute genius where he realized that uh, anything that floats in water displaces its own weight in water. And basically, that's what the Falkirk wheel works on. That's the real core to its efficiency. And it works on the power of six kettles. It costs 50p to turn 1,800 tons of steel and water and lift boats into the sky so that they can travel safely between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Why was that the Falkirk wheel? Well, that was the setting for this Scottish net zero business community meeting. That's where I got to hear Scottish voices, which is what this episode's all about. People who work and live in Scotland, small businesses, medium enterprises. And there was also a youth panel and I started talking to some young people there about what they wanted and the misconceptions that we have as older people, I'm talking about myself, and also businesses, about what they want from life, what they want in this atmosphere of kind of 1.5 degrees, 2 degrees, does it matter to them? And I caught up with a really great girl who spoke very eloquently about how she sees things and her age group can't be seen as one amorphous blob. Have a listen. My name is Anna Bell. I work at Fuel Change. What is Fuel Change? So Fuel Change is a social enterprise movement which was basically set up with the premise that young people are all re ready and raring to go, ready to do something about, fuel, uh, about climate change. But then we very quickly learned that that was actually not the case. And actually, a lot of young people thought, my organisation will do something, the government will do something. I'm not that bothered. Frankly, I know the world's burning. The world's on fire. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end at some point. So I'm just going to live the best life I can while I can. I'm going to go on holiday. I'm going to drive my nice flashy car. I'm going to go and eat every piece of red meat there is that I can get my hands on. They, just, they all just wanted to live their lives the absolute best they can while they could. So what we basically set up to do was to actually just change that narrative and get them to think about climate change in almost an inadvertent way in a way that they, they never really thought about. So linking it hugely to employment and skills and actually going down the funnel that if you want to be employed in the future, if you want to make organisations better, if you want to flourish in your career, you should have a little bit of knowledge on sustainability and climate change and how that does impact your future employment and the future economy. So unfortunately, because of the climate narrative that we've kind of built ourselves into with that 1970s 
you know the image. I, I'm from that generation, yeah, absolutely. You know the image, the sort of, the hippy dippy yeah. community and, oh God, if you're into that climate, you must wear the weird clothes and not brush your hair and not go to the shower very often. Um, that People just don't identify, I mean, I don't identify with that at all. And that's the thing is, the narrative that we as, you know, old gits take is, um, Greta is, is, is what young people are. So they're all marching, they all want to look like that, they don't care about fashion, they don't care about going out, it's all about stop everything, stop power. But that's not real, that's not reality, is it? That's not, that's a tiny proportion of people, isn't it? It's such a minutiae of, po of the population and what I do in foundations, so Fuel Change Foundations is all about actually going back into schools and looking at our education systems because what I can say is the biggest hurdle that we face in terms of getting everybody involved in climate change is that it's not properly taught to people. So we assume that Greta's out there, she's got the message, she's educating the young people. There's this assumption that loads of kids go back to their mum and dad, they're sitting around the dinner table, mum, dad, like, let's do something about climate change. But most young folk don't even talk to their parents. Do you remember when you were 15? And you'd be like, God, mum and dad, I'm not talking to you, you're embarrassing. I think there is an edge to young people that some of them want to ease that burden of guilt that has been placed on them by working for an organisation that's at least trying to do something. So talent retention can be a huge thing for business. And lastly, the planet. So let's actually think about it in ways that's good for business. And then if the planet benefits, that's great. But they, let's not shove that planet narrative down people's throats because then we get to the environmentalists, the eco-geeks and freaks, which unfortunately school kids are still getting bullied for if they're involved in the climate club. Better business, better planet. That's our logo and our phrase. Very good. I like it. <laughs> One thing, we, we were just sitting on a panel with lots of young people like you and the thing you hit on the nail, the nail on the head, I really thought was, you said uh, environmentalism is a, is a middle class and it is a middle class thing. Oh, yeah. It's never talked about that we have got a disenfranchised working class who are not interested. And this narrative that all young people want is this middle class narrative. They're all middle class marchers, they're the ones who can afford it. They can have lovely holidays with their parents and then they can afford to march, right? So what do we do about getting the vast majority of people who live on the council estates around here in Scotland and down where I'm from in London, the kids that are kind of trying to bust their balls just to get a job, how do we get them involved? Because the world is going to affect them the same as it affects someone who's posh. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think what's really interesting about what you just said there is getting the kids involved that don't normally think about climate change. So at Fuel Change, we actually engage primarily with apprentices because apprentices are a huge untapped potential when it comes to actually finding carbon solutions. Because apprentices are practical. They're, they're the guys on the tools. They're out there living their lives and just they're working hands-on. They're not the academia of today, which unfortunately I do think we divert a lot to academia and these model citizens because oh, so, agree. Agree. so much emphasis yeah. is placed on if you go to uni yeah. or if you go to uni, a pillar of society, you're going to go and do great things. So we engage with apprentices and I love working with apprentices because my brother's an apprentice, an, an apprentice and he's totally like that. He's like, oh, I'm not bored about climate change. I just want to get a nice car when I graduate. Right. And what's wrong with him getting that? Exactly. But maybe it'll be electric, maybe it'll be cleaner. You know, so that's what it's about. It's about saying, right, we set the apprentices carbon challenges set by industry. And what they're doing is they're setting a real life, they're 
devising a solution to a real life problem. So for example, an organisation set a challenge that basically said, how can we remain profitable but be sustainable? And the apprentices came up with a solution about actually plant, planting seaweed. Now these were aviation apprentices who had never ever thought about sustainability or being eco or being green. But what they learned was if an organisation wants to be sustainable, they've got the, the apprentices have great bounds of energy and um, innovation within them that they've just never had an opportunity to exercise. And it's kind of like the secondary benefactor is the planet, whereas the primary benefactor is actually them with their own personal development and their own personal employment opportunities through getting engaged in what we call our challenges programme. Anna there, and I'll give her the last word at the end of the podcast. As I said, it was a conversation with lots of businesses, and many of them are doing their own things. So these are small businesses and medium enterprises across Scotland who have decided they're not going to wait for the politicians, they're not going to wait for legislation, they're building sustainable businesses, they're cutting their carbon, they're reducing their footprints, they're reducing what their supply chains do. And they got together to discuss many different ways that they're all acting independently towards this pathway. And I caught up with one of those businesses and a lady called Amy Dole who explained why she'd come to have a meeting of minds of fellow business people. Name please? Amy Dole. And your company? Booth Welsh. So why have you come today? So today's event was something great to get involved in. It was one of those COP events that were, I suppose, feeder type events that um, I think being part of the Scottish Net Zero community has been really inspiring. We only came across it about a month ago and already there's so much energy, so much inspiration, so many great stories that we've already heard and new contacts being made. So for us, it's been a fantastic, worthwhile investment of our time to involve in the panel, again, to hear more about what's been happening. Um, really enjoyed the day so far. Why is it important, do you think? Because lots of people have, I've talked to lots of people in, the, in this area and they don't give a damn that COP is on. They just want to get on with their lives. They want to get a doctor's appointment. They want to go and their kids are safe at school. But here in this room is a very motivated bunch of people. Why does it matter to you? I think if, if we, you know, being selfish about it, you know, we have to continue to grow as a business. And if we're not shown that we're aligning with big, you know, things that happen in the world, you know, the sustainability development goals, for example, from the UN, you know, these are blueprints that and legislation that businesses are going to have to actually understand how they play their part in helping with that, you know, and if, if we can't ignore that as a business. Um, and one of the things we've been working on is our Environment 4.0 offerings. So we're basically looking at this being the next evolution of Industry 4.0. So we've coined this new term that really looks about utilising accessible and cost-effective digital technologies to not only drive productivity benefits, more efficient benefits for our customers, but also looking at actually making sure that we embed sustainability at the heart of that too, and actually allow them to move forward and drive um, their various strategies in that direction. So, you know, waste reduction, emission reduction, energy saving, and mitigation, it's all part of that. So we're really delighted to be able to talk about that here today, um, and it's gained a lot of traction already. So for us, it's really important. Do you think Scotland sort of grabbed the metal here? You've got a, a target that's greater than the, the general UK of 2045 rather than 2050. You've got a lot of renewable energy up here. You've got a lot of wind. You've got a history of oil and gas. So I think there's a shift. Do you, do you see it when you talk to your fellow business people up in Scotland that, that they're looking at this proper seriously? Yeah, I think, you know, 
this opens up a lot of opportunities for us as a business and you know people would be mad not to recognize the and there's nothing wrong with that that's what it's about yeah. isn't it um and i think even you know from an investor point of view or from a, a funding point of view um you know it's really important that we think about this in a future sense and embed it into our strategy so um yeah, I mean, I know people haven't been too fussed about COP being on and think it's just another big thing, and I suppose it is to a certain extent, but um, one of the phrases I heard at an event the other day was about turning activism into actionism, and I think that that's a really good mantra for us all to remember, because we all, we all need to play a part in, in this climate emergency, and, you know, we have to think and take a step back before we can take steps forward, I think. Uh, Amy there, and, you know, it was a great session, and I'm really grateful to everyone there uh, the Scottish Net Zero business community and you can find them there Google Net Zero Nation and you'll be able to find everything they're doing if you're a business in Scotland well this is the last episode it's been a tremendous week uh, I would say I wrote earlier this week my thoughts on COP and I would say it was a mix of hypocrisy and hope and the hypocrisy was what I saw, lots of greenwashing in the blue zone, lots of people quaffing champagne, wearing little pins that say they're sustainable. But what are they really actually doing? The hope was talking to people who are beyond that, talking to delegates from around the world, talking to the tribes people. And over the next few days and weeks, we'll bring you much more content from COP about the interviews we got, the people we spoke to, the sense we got of what the world wants. I'm hoping that after COP, we see some change. We don't have to have it because I think we need to change ourselves. But it's really important that people like me, people in our 50s, those of you who are slightly older, we're here as custodians of the future. And I suppose it's only right to give the last word to a young person. So to end this little mini series from Scotland, I'll hand you back to Anna. We've been brought up in that mindset to know that the world is ending. So we see climate change hugely different to how older generations do see climate change the heads of boards and things so to yeah i would absolutely say do not treat your young people as young people treat them just as people in your organization and bring them in and genuinely listen and i hate um how do we, i hate the expression um how do we listen or how do we hear our young people like oh my god you don't need to hear them that's you know they're not use your ears eh? yeah it's like don't put them on a podium you're you're gonna be heard now <laughs> it's like let's just treat them as people and bring them into the fold as you do everybody else